Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening, thanks for tuning in, thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas today in the food category. You guys are going to be so hungry when you hear the flavors of this new brand that I am so excited to tell you about on the podcast today is Brian Tate, founder of Oats Overnight. Brian, it's really, really great having you on the podcast. I was so excited to meet you. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Thanks Dude, for having me. This is so cool. Um, and your background, I think, is just as cool and incredible as the business you're building now. And I can't even wait to unpack that part. And I'm sure everyone tells you that when they meet you. Um, but for those who don't know Brian, um, he is the founder of Oats Overnight. And you're going to love this this new product um, and products, product line. And especially, I, I just think some of the flavor choices you've got here are amazing. And I just love the this category. So let's start with this, Brian. You didn't start off in the food business. Um, or beverage business or in like consumer products even, but uh, you are a master at poker. So tell us your background and how you even got into that space first. Yeah, I was uh, I was pretty young playing Magic Cards, Magic the Gathering for all the nerds out there. Um, <laughs> Love it. Like 14, 15, and I actually played on the pro tour and traveled a bit um, at that age. And wow. it was a really good breeding ground for competition, um, you know, just kind of game testing decks and, and trading cards and, and a little bit of a, a hustle there trying to trade $4 cards for $5 cards, you know, at the tournaments. But anyway, yeah, that, that evolved into poker during the poker boom in 2003 when you started seeing it on TV. And uh, we never really looked back. Started out playing small stakes online and, and wow. ended up 12 years later in Vegas. Okay, so <laughs> that's like the fast forward version. Does everybody make it over that much time? Or did, like what what how did it work for you so well? Yeah, you know, we were at that time, the, the whole industry evolved um, when you introduce the online component and you can start seeing data and um, poker tracker would have analytics, you know, you can digre- you know, dissect the game in a totally different way uh, when historically it was done based on superstition and, and, and um, hunch. Uh, so that, that evolution kind of brought forth a whole new, uh, I guess, a whole new group of younger players that were very competitive. So we just stayed ahead of the curve through that period, but it was a good time to get involved. And does and to be a good poker player, I don't know, I promise we'll get to your brand, but do you have to practice regularly or is it something that once you have it, it's kind of like you just need to be playing regularly? What does that look like? Yeah, it's definitely a full-time thing. I played probably 60 to 70 hours a week at, oh at the table. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Where? And off the table. How do you do uh, that? <laughs> yeah, it started out online the first seven years and then legislation changed and, and some of the main sites shut down. So I ended up moving to Arizona. And then ultimately, um, Vegas and Los Angeles, where I lived um, for the last six years of the career, um, and just played in, in cash games at Bellagio, um, Aria, and Commerce Casino. That's unbelievable! Wow, um, I'm sure you know, we could speak. We could spend the whole podcast just on that conversation. I haven't had anybody on that's like just an unbelievable poker champion and expert like you are but maybe we'll put that to the side for another visit um how did you decide you know what poker was great i'm gonna go start a food company and and how this idea for oats overnight yeah so i was relying on an overnight a homemade version of overnight oats uh similar to what i make now or what we make as a company and you know it was it was pretty easy to do but you know required a lot of preparing at night and shopping and with my traveling i wasn't it wasn't easy to shop i'd show up to vegas i'd be out of oats or out of protein and so i looked for a prepackaged version um and it, you know 
that checked all the boxes uh, and came up really short. There were no prepackaged versions at that time in like 2014, 2015. And so looked to create our own um, and ended up, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of a by chance thing. Um, it was just right in front of front of me and, and wanted to make a business. I knew poker wasn't a long-term plan, even though it was good at the time. Um, but yeah, looked for that direction. That's awesome. Um, talk about the product and like, what were the things you knew you wanted in the product before you even created it? Yeah, so my homemade version was uh, high in protein. We do like a scoop of protein with oats and chia seeds and all that stuff. Problem is we couldn't really vary flavors that easily. You have either your chocolate or your vanilla. Um, and so if you wanted to get creative with flavors or even experiment with new flavor profiles, you know, you're stuck with a vanilla protein base. Uh, so definitely always wanted to have um, unique flavors that weren't available um, with a homemade prep. Um, also high protein, drinkable format, spoon-free. Uh, so it's more of a protein, a more protein shake oatmeal hybrid, I guess you'd say. Um, yeah, very unique in format. Wow. And did you know much about how to make a, a consumer product or at what point did you go, you know, I'm making this at home all the time. Maybe others could, would want to try this or buy it. Like when, when was, when did that look like? Yeah, I knew nothing at the time. And that was actually the biggest hurdle um, was, you know, had no experience with e-commerce, food, CPG at all. And uh, so Google was my best friend. Right. Um, was, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I Googled a lot. Um, hard to find, you know, like FDA, like compliance stuff on Google and, and kind of wade through that. So, so engaged um, so an advisor really early on who had a lot of manufacturing experience that helped kind of um, grow that and get that, that direction. But we always look to manufacture in-house rather than outsource to a co-packer. Got it. And so, um, so it's obviously, so you found someone to work with that could give you some coaching. What did the initial product look like? What did you, were you manufacturing it still at home or did you have a kitchen or how did that all come together just when you were getting started? Yeah, the initial product we, we made it with no mind for at scale manufacturing. It was the scoop this, the scoop that, you know, and, and we realized, yeah, we realized quickly that wasn't scalable. Right, um, we, I'm sure. We had, to, we had to do all these independent drops, and traditionally they'll do they'll have machines that are structured to do it all via vibratory drop, or or they'll blend it all up like a powder and drop it in one drop. But ours was quite unique in that way, which which has created quite a bit of a moat. I bet. And did, was there an initial flavor, I'll call it, that you kind of started with? Or I mean, because you have so many different ones here on your site. Um, was there kind of one key one that you knew you were going to get started with just to get out to market? Yeah, chocolate peanut butter banana was was the no brainer up front. Um, I was I was That's leaning on favorite. a chocolate. <laughs> that one looks like my yeah. favorite, by the way. <laughs> It's a solid one. It's still our bestseller um, by a small margin, but um, yeah, quickly, quickly look to to expand that offering now. That's pretty With cool. Yeah. So in addition to that, you got strawberries and cream, peanut butter, cookie dough, cacao. I have to say, like that one was my second favorite. I think maple pancakes, yum. Um, Mocha dream. Um, what about packaging? Did you? I mean, did you have someone helping you with that when you got started? What did that look like? Yeah, so we had some designers in the network, and we, we did a kind of a branding project uh, when we first ideated this whole thing. And and the branding is actually not too much different than what we launched with. Uh, we, we stuck with that and always really enjoyed it. Yeah, packaging, we worked with a, a local manufacturer here. That's awesome. Um, and then as you're starting to look at the market, like what's the industry like for this kind of product? And has it changed since you started? Yeah, you know, we were really the first, um, or at least in the first wave of, you know, Overnight Oats products to go to market. Um, there, there were maybe one other at that time. Um, but yeah, the industry as a whole, you know, was led by Quaker, Bob's Red Mill, uh, very stale, um, slow, slow to move um, incumbents uh, without a lot of innovation in the right. last, you know, 
you know, two decades. So, so we're really excited to bring something different to market. Um, just really kind of expand on that offering with the oats and the protein in a format that hasn't been done before. I love it. And I, yeah, I mean the industry overall, as you know, I mean, is there's a lot of major brands, it's just tougher and takes longer to innovate. Right. And, and, and sometimes as you've seen over the last couple of years, like been out of touch with consumer preferences. Um, what about, okay. So you have an idea for product, you've got it packaged, you have it, you've got the right flavor profile and the taste and whatnot. Was there, what was the launch plan and what did that look like? How did you start to get it out and, and how did you know it was working? Yeah. So this was, this is where it gets kind of interesting. We, we didn't really have much of a plan up front. It was <laughs> right, just make product. Hopefully, you know, yeah. Well, we had, we, I mean, I personally was enjoying this, this drinkable oatmeal, you know, it's, it's not really a drink. You still chew it. It's still got a thick kind of a protein shake oatmeal texture. Um, but once we turned on the website, we had no idea, uh, what that meant. It was, it was very, we were very naive. <laughs> Didn't you know, you know how we get traffic. It was, right. it was kind of just an exploratory deal. And, um, you know, quickly learned Facebook ads and, and all that around that time. Totally. Uh, just to turn them on. Of course, that landscape was much different, you know, yes. five years ago. Well, there wasn't as much noise in the landscape then. I mean, and not as many brands were there using it, right? Yeah. CPMs were, were a lot, you know, a lot lower, um, much cheaper to reach your audience. Uh, everything was different, really. Uh, the algorithm was probably you know less less developed, but um, overall it was good, good That's times. It. And, and this, so initially you went direct to consumer right off your website. Is that how you launched the first products? It is, yeah. And we just actually launched retail um, like 16 weeks ago with wow. Wegmans nationwide. So we've That's the first awesome. four years yeah, entirely direct to consumer. And so um, you're. So were you making to order or did you carry inventory? What did that look like at first? Now, of course, I'm sure you, you have to have certain inventory of some of your products, especially if you're in retail. But yeah, that was actually we, we kind of built the business backwards in a way. Um, you know, most people are, you know, outsourced the manufacturing and work on the marketing side. We've always had more demand than what we could keep up oh, with. That's uh, awesome. So it's been it's been kind of operations first, like warehouse ops first. And, and our manufacturing and fulfillment has always been you know struggling to keep up. Um, right. That's awesome. And so you, you just, you put the website up and did people just come like, or, or did you get a lot of reorders? Like when did you go, Oh my God, we, I think this is working. Like we, we should keep adding flavors and other, other elements to the brand. Yeah. The first few orders were from my brother and his right, friends. I'm sure. Right. Who were in med school at the time. And I, I remember being so excited to see the, you know, the, the, the $150 in orders come through that day. I was, I was pumped. Um, I but yeah, you know, yeah, the Facebook ads always hit really well. Uh, we had, a, we had, you know, it, it being that it was such a unique product in the market, a spoon free oatmeal, um, we've got a lot of attention since launch. And so, um, certainly without, not without setbacks, but <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. We'll talk about those in a minute. Um, what was there any, was your poker background helpful in launching the business or in growing the business? Did you find any linkages? Extremely helpful. Um, so, so really helpful in a lot of ways and in some ways, uh, somewhat of a disadvantage maybe when it came to organization. Uh, but, but in the decision-making process early on poker kind of sets you up to make good decisions with limited information, you know, assign values to, to things that aren't necessarily quantifiable and estimate really accurately. Um, and that was extremely helpful in the early stage on the startup side. Um, you know, can't be too focused on the misses once a result goes out of your favor. You just kind of do the best you can with the information you have and, and keep pushing forward. And that, that was a big driver for the early growth. Wow, that's awesome. I don't think I've ever heard anybody describe poker that way. That's amazing. Um, and then you you mentioned some things that maybe didn't go well. And I do love, oh, I, I love to ask our entrepreneurs, like, hey, were there biggest lessons learned or some things that you worked through? What were some of the things that over the time that you've been launching this brand that you had to address that maybe didn't go perfectly the first time? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of lessons. Um, I think a lot of, uh, 
you know, agencies we've worked with, we were too trusting. Um, coming totally. from poker, everybody in my network is an expert. And so you just kind of assume if they're doing it, they're an expert. Um, you get a lot of uh, a lot of agencies that, you know, maybe don't have the brand's best interest at mind. It's really common. And um, so we had a lot of, you know, rough partnerships that we kind of had to dig our way out of. Totally. Um, you know, without that experience. Also on the offside, of course, um, you know, it's a constant struggle keeping up <laughs> with, with growth and, and quality and consistency and things like that. And so, so quite a few. And then from a people perspective, I mean, it started off as just you, right? Have you had to grow that over time? And what have been some of the key, you know, talent you've had to, to leverage or bring on to help? Yeah. So it started out with just me. My mom was working in fulfillment. Um, awesome. you know, I, love it. <laughs> I had, you know, a couple of friends around the table. Um, our head of customer service, Thomas Keller actually has a world series of poker bracelet. Oh, no That's way. That's amazing. So yeah, so definitely have some, a few friends from my past life that wanted it, wanted to change and have, have helped me grow this thing. Um, and teams, everything, right? Like we have 60 yeah. employees now. Wow. Um, Amazing. You know, a lot, a lot Dude. Of, wow. Yeah, a lot of people on the manufacturing and fulfillment side, of course, but, um, the leadership team is really strong as well. And just a lot of unique people with outside, you know, outside perspectives that are adding a ton of value. A lot of, a lot of experts too now that we've got a little growth. Um, sure. fortunately we'll hire some specialists, but, um, yeah, for the most part, having a diverse team and, and, you know, these companies also aren't built nine to five. That's, That's another really totally important deal. lesson so learned for everyone listening. Hope you heard that. Um, and a consistent theme, by the way, across a lot of our episodes. Um, what about getting into retail? So I love it's on your website, Amazon, et cetera. You know, you mentioned 16 weeks ago, getting into a more, more traditional retail. What, what are the keys to that? What, what's been the key for you guys in terms of getting access to more traditional retail? Yeah. So we've been able to leverage our online data pretty, pretty effectively. You know, we have, um, you know, great growth online. We get to see sales and zip codes and regions. Um, we get to see what products are most favorable. So we can really build that story. We even survey customers post checkout, you know, where do you do your shopping? Oh, um, that's or, smart. Or we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll structure it around a specific retailer. If we're talking to Sprouts or someone, we'll find out how many of our customers are actually shopping at Sprouts. So any, any creative ways to pull data from your online, uh, customers is, is always a plus. That's awesome. Yeah. Sprouts huge here in Atlanta, by the way. Um, it's, it's really cool. So what does the year ahead look like? You know, you, you're, it seems like you're poised for growth. We just came out of COVID, you know, any impacts from that? And then what does the year look like ahead? Yeah. So our, our year uh, coming up, we're, we're really focusing on building out the team and really focusing on innovation. The product we launched in retail is actually a bottled oatmeal. So it's very unique to the set. Um, yeah, it has a powdered oat milk mixed in, so you can just add water and refrigerate, wow, um, ready to cool. go in the morning with no spoon. So, so really exciting there. Um, we're going to further innovation around that product, and we have a, a few more interesting overnight oats concepts in the in the mix uh, that we'll be seeing later twenty one. Um, also, yeah, just like I said, growing the team out. Uh, we're we're real excited about this growth, but comes with a lot of bandwidth needs. Sure. <laughs> and did COVID impact you guys positively or negatively? What did that look like? Yeah, definitely a net negative. Um, our our product's very convenience focused, and so it's a grab and go. You right. know, totally. were a huge use case. Yeah, so we had to reshift that messaging toward our premium ingredients and 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 other other different directions. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you get a free shaker on your first order on the website. By the way, it's pretty cool. Um, I love that. You know, I always love to ask our entrepreneurs like, what are two or three of the biggest lessons learned? You shared a little bit um, a moment ago in terms of like agencies and finding the right partners to work with, which I think is absolutely a common theme too. It's hard to tell sometimes when you don't know um, what would be one or two others you'd share with our audience. Yeah, biggest one for me, I think on the digital side, given the landscape of all the the um, freelance and agencies around Facebook and Google, I would say learn enough about these channels uh, just to call you know BS. Um, you don't right. need to know that perfectly, but but you know you're going to get pitched a bunch of BS uh, from from a lot of these agencies, and it's important to ask the right questions and challenge these things if they don't line up. 
And if they can't explain it to you like you're a five-year-old, then they're probably not a good agency partner. So uh, that's that's number one for me for sure. And the other is really just um, MVP, minimum viable product is huge for us. Um, all of our feedback comes from our customers. And uh, you know, when we launch a product, we like to get it out there first um, and and make sure we we can kind of tune it in over the over the coming six months rather than wait for it to be our version of perfect because we'll, we'll find that customers don't always align with that and it's good to get that feedback love that and speaking of customer feedback what are your top flavors yeah so chocolate peanut butter uh banana peanut butter cookie dough is definitely one um blueberry cobbler my personal Yum. favorite pancakes <laughs> yeah it's one <laughs> the label pancakes yeah they're, they're, they're pretty good yeah definitely fans that's really cool yeah, and great packaging. And this has been really cool having you on. Share with our audience where they can find you, how they can buy the product, etc. Yeah, you can check us out at oatsovernight.com. Uh, we're also available on Amazon, and our new product is available in Wegmans nationwide. That's amazing. Man, Brian, it's been so great having you. I can't wait to have you back on down the road and follow your brand growth. I, I, like I said, I feel like you're at this early cusp of really picking up um, even more momentum. So I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.